This is Ozarks at Large with me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio is Randy Dixon with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral Visual History. Welcome back. Thank you very much, Kyle. We're going to go back in time. Time capsule again. Yes. Uh, December of 1968, 53 years ago. And I have to admit, when you first sent me the topic this week, I just instantly thought, oh, you meant December 1969, because that's when the Arkansas-Texas game was in Fayetteville, and that's when Dixie was not going to be played anymore by the band. Right. and, And there were civil rights demonstrations in Arkansas, but no, 68. 68. Also a we, tumultuous year. Right, and we may do 69 uh, soon. Sure, <laughs> sure. But uh, just to kind of set things up, uh, Richard Nixon had just been elected president in November. Uh, Winthrop Rockefeller was our governor, and uh, Fulbright and McClellan were our U.S. senators. So Arkansas had gone Republican for the governor's mansion, gone Democratic for the U.S. Senate, and I believe George Wallace actually carried the state in the presidential election. I believe he did, yeah. yeah. So it was a really across-the-board, weird electoral election year in Arkansas. Yeah, it was. By the way, did you know, you know the number one song? In December 1968? Yes. I don't. Ah, Heard it through the grapevine. The Marvin Gaye version. The, yes. So let's talk about politics. Right, because we're just out of an election. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, the powerhouse congressman, Wilbur Mills, who was considered probably the most powerful, one of the most powerful men in Washington. Head of the House Ways and Means Committee. That's right. And so he was interviewed uh, by KATV about the newly elected President Nixon. Uh, most anyone elected President of the United States in the early stages of his uh, tenure in office, uh, certainly the first months of the first year he's in, uh, uh, enjoys uh, with a Congress uh, what uh, many people have referred to as a honeymoon. Uh, that honeymoon period can be longer for some presidents and has been longer for some uh, than for others. Now, I'm thoroughly convinced that President-elect Nixon is going into office recognizing uh, the different situation that he faces from that which most presidents in the past have faced. Uh, he's the first president that I recall, uh, in, uh, certainly in many years, who has had to deal initially in the first days he's been in office or will be in office with a Congress-controlled uh, by uh, the uh, opposite party. I, I listen to that there, and it seems compared to 2021 so measured. Here is this Democrat talking about Richard Nixon. Of course, he's saying he who knows how long the honeymoon period is, but it sounded less vitriolic than what you might hear someone from an opposite party. Oh, say today? now, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And this was a. This was a tense time in American history. Uh-huh. It was. You know, the Vietnam War, and um, now there was a Democratic Congress. So that that added right. some dimension uh, to the political uh, temperature. Yes. Um, but uh, Senator John McClellan uh, addressed the, the new Congress. Well, this being a new session of Congress, a new Congress— The first order of business, of course, will be to organize the Congress, to organize the two separate branches, the House and the Senate, 
by uh, making committee assignments and the routine work that has to be done in order to get a new Congress organized, swearing in the new members and getting them assigned and so forth. Senator, do you expect this to be a more conservative Congress than the last as far as the Senate is concerned? Well, I think it will be a bit more conservative. It, uh, uh, indications are that it will be. I think we'll have a president that's a little more conservative, and his leadership would tend to move it over in that direction. Uh, what about our anti-gun legislation, such as the Dodd Bill? Will that be staring us in the face again? I'm quite sure it will. There'll be much uh, new crime legislation introduced. I anticipate at least uh, two dozen bills introduced in the Senate and even maybe more than that. The whole country's crime conscience, they realize that we, and so is the Congress, we all realize that the crime menace is the greatest threat to our internal security today. It must be dealt with. We must find a way to deal with it effectively. We cannot tolerate the present rate of increase. If it continues unabated as it is, it'll destroy our society. Now, speaking of just elected, this next voice we hear had just been elected. Uh, Winthrop Rockefeller. Yes. Yes, and he is uh, talking about a new budget he is going to propose to the legislature for the next year. I intend to, adjust, to justify this request to the plainest possible terms. I'm not here with hat in hand. I'm here to state facts gathered in the most exhaustive, careful review of our state's financial needs in history. I believe that you will hear me objectively. We give this program your most careful attention. We, we agree, I believe, that our state is in the crisis phase of financial problems because it is growing larger. As demands for more services grow without corresponding adjustments in revenue to pay for our services. Arkansas was in some serious financial straits, if you listen to Governor Rockefeller. That's right. And it, and it only got worse in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, inflation and gas shortages and problems like that. Um, this next, I love this next clip, um, and it shows a sign of the, of the times. But this is Jerry Jewell, who was uh, president of the NAACP, uh, later to become uh, a state senator. But he's talking about um, the need for Black history to be taught in public schools. Too long, the Negro has been left out of American textbooks. Too long the Negro has been deprived of really his heritage. And uh, we think that uh, now is the time for Arkansas, all of Arkansas, mind you, to take a part and to begin anew by the inclusion of Negro and to let the, the world know, or the Ar Arkansas citizens know, that the Negro has a heritage, uh, that we have a stake in the society, that we have contributed to it positively, and that we should uh, have an opportunity to partic uh, participate or partake of the uh, advantages that now exist here in our state. Dr. Jewell, would you say that your proposal will be accepted by many of the school educators around the state? Well, I don't know. Hopefully that it will be. 
many other states in the South, for that matter, uh, neighboring states, or what we call borderline states, have uh, taken a positive step, at least one positive step. I would hope that our state education department, under the direction of Mr. Arch Ford, uh, would uh, say to all the districts that uh, let us now start teaching uh, black history in our schools as a required subject. You listen to Jerry Jewell there talk about that, and you think about the conversations that are happening now about how you teach history and what is the role of explaining the United States history with racism and slavery. There are some echoes there. Yeah, Yeah. there are. And, you know, he ended up uh, being the first African-American Senate pro tem. Um, Right. And I don't know if you remember, but there was some controversy about that in uh, January of 93 when – Bill Clinton was in Washington for the inauguration. Jim Guy Tucker was governor, and he left the state. So for four days, uh, Jerry Jewell was governor. Right. And he pardoned and commuted several uh, inmate sentences with a lot of controversy. One of them was the son of uh the political activist uh, Robert Say McIntosh. Exactly. And his son was serving a 50-year sentence for uh, selling cocaine, and he pardoned him. Because as governor, you can. can. He can do that. Yeah. And he did, and a lot of people say that that's why he lost his seat the next election. Yeah. Because of that controversy. Yeah. So— Let's move on, shall yes. we? Yes. You, you remember telegrams? I do. I do. Yes. I never sent one. I never did either. I, I never w- received one. I didn't either, but I'm sure my parents did. But this is this really shows a sign of the times that uh, this is a report on the technological advances uh, in that industry. Changes in the American way of life have been phenomenal in the past 25 years, and American business has had to keep pace with these changing times. One business that has undergone tremendous change in the past quarter of a century is Western Union. There's been significant changes in the way messages have been sent since the first messages were sent by Morse code. Today, messages are sent in just a fraction of a time that it used to take to send those same messages. We talked with the manager of the Little Rock Western Union office, Harold Baker, and the regional communications representative, Ron Broadway, about these changes. The primary changes that have been made in the uh, transmission of telegrams from 25 years ago, due to the old Morse, which was 30 words a minute, it now works into automatic reperforator centers, which can go as high as five, four, five, and 600 words per minute in automatic transmission which actually can transmit a message from Little Rock to New York in just a matter of minutes. Mr. Broadway, I understand there's quite a diversification in Western Union's operations. Can you explain what else besides transmitting messages the company is involved with? Yes, sir. As a matter of fact, uh, November the 1st of this year, we will be offering a new service called Broadband Exchange or Broadband Switching. This will permit customers in the Little Rock area to take advantage of high-speed data transmission facilities along with voice communications and facsimile. For example, a customer could take a document, a drawing, and transmit an eight and a half by 11 between Little Rock and Los Angeles in about three and a half minutes. This is the newest thing that we have going here in Little Rock. 
Information is a vital cog in the progress of our society, and at Western Union, the progress of information is their best and only product. This is Bob Gilmartin at the Western Union in Little Rock. So we're talking about technological advances for telegrams. Of course, telegrams, the last telegram sent by Western Union, I looked this up in preparation for our conversation, was 2006. Really? That was the last one sent. They were waning, obviously. The last one sent anywhere in the world was in 2014. There was still a service in India that sent, but they stopped in the summer of 2014. Wow. Yeah. That's now defunct. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. I'm sure there are generations, you know, because the old joke was you'd recite a sentence, stop. Stop. Because instead of a period, mm-hmm. there's probably a whole generation of people that don't never, understand what that means. Yeah, I've yeah. never heard of that. Yeah. Um, here's a random news story. Yeah. Uh, but I just found it really interesting because um, I had never seen anything like this before. But there was a bank robbery in uh, the, the Benton State Bank. And um, they actually interviewed a teller who was obviously shaken by by the whole event. Yeah. And uh, here's what she described about what happened in the robbery. Well, these, the two men just came in, and I was in the vault, and I heard the man say, don't touch anything, don't push any alarms, this is a robbery. And then I started out of the vault, and one man took me back in the vault, and he told me to look at the floor, and I did. And I heard them putting the money in the sack that we had at the counter. And then this other man came in the vault, and he asked me if the safe was locked and if I could open it, and I did. And he told me to turn and face the corner. And uh, he took all the money and took it out behind the counter. He put that in the sack, and then they... In the meantime, some people had come in, and he would bring them in the vault, and two men came in, and he had them lay down on the floor, and he was wanted everyone, you know, to turn away from them and not look at them, but they they didn't have any kind of mask or anything over their face, and they both had guns. And, Did uh, they threaten your lives? Uh, well, when they left, the man, he closed the vault door, and he said that they were going to stay around here for a while, and if they heard the alarm go off, they would come back and kill all of us. And the guys weren't even wearing masks. That's what kills me. Do we know, do you know by any chance the the, the end of this story? Were they caught? No, were but they? I'm sure they okay. were caught. They're, Bank robbery, to me, has always seemed like such a stupid crime. Right, because I'd, I'd say the majority I would of say them that. are caught within... Movies notwithstanding. Right, right. Yeah. Right. yeah. All right. All right, so there are certain stories... That you do every year at at a certain time, right? Right. Well, during December, you always do the holiday travel story. Of course. Yeah. We're still doing those. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. yeah they're ones that come around. They're yeah. just an annual event. Yeah. And you just... You just do it. Yeah. But uh, here's, here's one from KATV that uh, they talked to Ben Miller of the Arkansas State Police. As of this morning, 694 people have died on Arkansas highways as compared to 640 on the same date last year. Of course, you know this is well above the record of 674 that was killed in 1966. Well, with New Year's coming up and this weekend too, uh, what are you going to do about it, Bill? Well, we have, uh, have canceled all leave for our state patrolmen as well as for our driver examiners and for our motor vehicle inspection people. 
This will give us additional people out on the highway. Will they be out this weekend and the New Year's, too? Yes, they'll be out all this weekend, and uh, New Year's Eve, we'll have about 30 additional cars on the highway uh, that we ordinarily don't have out there. We're taking a trip through December 1968 with archives from the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral Visual History. These are from KATV newscasts that are sent to Pennsylvania to be digitized, and they're put on... Once they're ready, they're put on the website yes. at uh, the Prior Center's we website. We have the earliest ones yeah. on the website right now in a searchable format. You yeah. can just Google Prior Center and go to the KATV section and just search through and go down a rabbit hole. And eventually all of these will be there. Yes. Searchable. Yes. You've got one more uh, stop for us on this <laughs> yes. tour. Yes. Uh, it's kind of a given beauty pageants in Arkansas. And so... Uh, this was the uh, Arkansas Junior Miss pageant, and uh, Jim Pitcock, the news director, was interviewing uh, the new Arkansas Junior Miss Ann Landis of Magnolia. And how does it feel to be Arkansas's Junior Miss? Right now, I'm still in a daze, more or less. It's unreal, really. Great, but unreal. What does it mean to you to be Arkansas's Junior Miss? Well, it means a lot of responsibility. It means that I'm going to have to live up to a lot, and I'm going to have to be the representative for all the other 59 girls who are here and who are so great, and I hope I can live up to the great expectations of them. So uh, next week, you want to fast-forward and do December of maybe 75? Sure. Sure. I'm trying to think, what was going on in December 1975? Well... We'll, we'll find have out. to see. <laughs> Randy Dixon is with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History. Just put Pryor Center into a search engine. You'll find so much. Randy, thanks so much. Thank you. I'll see you next week.